Good morning. My name is Joe Valenti. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, real quick, our ushers said that we've still got a few people waiting to be seated. If you've got space, could you slide in a couple like this way um, so that people can just slide in on the ends as they come? We would appreciate it. That'd be super duper helpful. Um, as Dean said, we're in a series that's called My Name is God. And in it, we are studying uh, the names of God and the, and the names that are ascribed to him in the Bible uh, and today, we are going to be looking at Jehovah Ra'ah, which is the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh the shepherd. And uh, as we look through the 23rd Psalm this morning, I want you to kind of filter it through uh, this, this lens. As, everything, as, as we look at everything today, I want you to ask yourself, do I really believe what this text is saying to me? We often say that we believe things, but then our actions are opposite of what we say. Douglas Wilson, who's one of my favorite uh, pastors and authors, says that theology comes out your fingertips, and whatever it is that comes out your fingertips is your theology. And so that's how I want you to filter this this morning. Many of us have heard the 23rd Psalm before. Maybe you memorized it as a kid. Maybe it conjures up memories for you of putting somebody in the ground as this was read over them at a funeral or on their gravestone. Maybe you're here and you've never heard it this morning. But ultimately, what the Bible is for is not simply to be looked at and read, but to be believed. And for that belief to really transform the way that we function, the way that we act and so I'm hoping that we can look at the 23rd Psalm with some fresh eyes this morning and see um, where our lives do not reflect the care of the shepherd. And so uh, because I went really long in the first service, we're going to jump right into it. So let's pray and we'll go. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you that you are Jehovah Ra'ah, our shepherd who cares for his sheep. God, I pray that you would guard me from error this morning and that your Holy Spirit would move on hearts, that we would enjoy the presence of the shepherd. In your name we pray, amen. You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23, and we're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll start to break it down. You can also, if you uh, tweet, you can hashtag, uh, my name is God, and, and there's also going to be a text number that will come up on the screen. If you have questions uh, about the service, uh, you can text those questions, and we'll answer them. Uh, on the blog or via text throughout the week. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This first statement is really, really important. First of all, in your Bible, it probably has capital L-O-R-D, which if you, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you heard Pastor Chad talk about the fact that behind our English translation of Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is Yahweh or Jehovah 
in the transliteration. So he's saying, Yahweh is my shepherd. And this is an intimate name of God. Lord, I think, uh, is maybe a little bit um, too formal for what this is. And so I'm going to refer to it as Yahweh because that's what's really behind it in the Hebrew. Lord, um, well, here's an example. Like, Linda is my wife's name. If I called her wife all the time, it wouldn't be as intimate if I was, hey, wife. You know what I mean? Make me a sandwich. No. I would, <laughs> I would never say that. I would get smacked. Um, but wife, like, wife is her title, but it's not the name I call her. I call her Linda, or I call her honey, right? This is the same thing. There's intimacy in this name, Yahweh. Back in Exodus, and uh, Exodus 3 and Genesis 2, when this is introduced as God's name, the idea is, um, the idea behind Yahweh is, I will be present. I will be with my people. So there's intimacy there. And then there's also a sense in which David, uh, the psalmist here, is kind of sticking his chin out and standing up for Yahweh as the shepherd. And you might not know this like from a cursory reading, but I learned uh, a lot this week, which is really cool, that shepherding uh, imagery in the ancient Near East was very common. It was a common way for kings and gods to communicate uh, who they were. Um, you'll see in Egyptian art that pharaohs were often uh, depicted with a with the staff of a shepherd. The Egyptian king Osiris was actually called the shepherd god. Shushan, the king of Ur, once declared himself to be the king whom the god Enlil has elected to be the shepherd of the four corners of the world. If you've ever heard of Hammurabi's code, Hammurabi once referred uh, to himself as the shepherd of his people. So this title is common. It's not like this isn't unique imagery. And so what David is doing, in a sense, when he says, Yahweh is my shepherd, is in the midst of this religious pluralism that is happening throughout his world, he's going, no, Yahweh is my shepherd and no one else. And we could take a really strong cue from David in this sense to step out and say, no, 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 no. All of these other gods that we have made up and love and worship are not the true God. Yahweh is God. The one who will be present. Yahweh is the shepherd. And then after the comma, he continues, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I actually, I really like the NIV translation because it kind of gets at the heart of the matter a little bit better. The NIV says, I will lack nothing. Ludwig Kohler, who's a, who's a Hebrew and Aramaic scholar, says that behind this phrase um, is this idea of, because of the fact that Yahweh is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. But it's not right. We all, there are things that we want. So there are things that we lack, right? There are physical things like, for instance, I would like a motorcycle. My wife won't let me have one. That's reality. So if it's about things that we want or things that we desire, this text ceases to be true because I really want a motorcycle. 
But that's not what's happening, right? It's this idea of contentedness and peace because of the presence of the shepherd. Not because of external things. Because Yahweh, the king of the universe, because this God is my shepherd. Because of only that, I will lack nothing. If I have nothing else, I am contented by the fact that Yahweh is my shepherd. Philip Keller um, was a shepherd in South Africa and has turned pastor and wrote a great book, uh, several great books actually, on uh, the imagery of the shepherd and sheep throughout the Bible. And uh, I'll quote him several times throughout uh, the morning, but this is one of the things that he says about this phrase. Obviously, this is the sentiment of a sheep utterly satisfied with his owner, who is perfectly content with his lot in life. And so the big question as we start is, who is your shepherd? And you might, like, you might, when, when, when I asked that, you might have thought in your head, duh. Like, the Lord is my shepherd. Like, I'm at church. What do you think? You know? But st- stand back from that for a minute. Don't jump to a conclusion because we have to look at our lives and say, does, does my life truly reflect the fact that Yahweh is my shepherd? Am I really enjoying the shepherd? Am I truly contented, utterly satisfied with my lot in life solely because the Lord is my shepherd? So that's number one. Who's your shepherd? If you study preaching and teaching, the number one rule is always give people action points. Don't ever ask them questions. And here we are asking questions. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping that these questions that we're going to ask this morning will, will, will stick with you throughout the day and that you wrestle with the answers to them. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Sheep are really interesting. Uh, I've learned a lot about sheep over the last couple weeks, and they're, they're really finicky. Um, there's some really cool videos on YouTube of people scaring sheep. <laughs> they're just like hanging out, being a sheep, and somebody makes a noise, or they're like, wow! And they freak out, and they yell, and uh, like that. In case you wanted to know how sheep yell. There you go. Uh, but there are some things, because of their nature, because of their finickiness, because of uh, how they are made, they ha- they're, 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 um, there's some things that have to be true in order for them to truly lie down and relax in the pasture. It says, he, he makes me to lie down. Well, how does he do that? Sheep have to be free of four things. They have to be free of fear. They have to be free of f- friction within the flock. One of the things that's neat, like, well, kind of neat, I suppose, it's called uh, uh, the sheep have a budding order. Well, they actually will butt each other with their heads and so, like, if important sheep is here and less important sheep is here and this grass is nicer, this sheep will literally run at the sheep and butt it with its head out of the way. and like, get off my grass. This is my area. And so that, that friction has to go away in order for the sheep to be happy. They have to be free of pests. There are, there are always parasites and bacteria and uh, insects, right, that, that, that can make sheep sick or that can bother their skin. 
and they have to be fed. They have to be content with their food. And it's interesting, this sheep analogy, because aren't we so much that way? It's so difficult for us to truly slow down and truly relax and take a deep breath and rest and be restored because of primarily these four things. We're scared of something, a scenario, a person, an outcome. We are fearful and anxious people. Interpersonal issues, right? The friction within the flock, like there are issues within our families, within our, uh, our, our friendships at work. We are butting each other like sheep. Wah, wham. There, there, there's always those, those things that are on our minds and that are on our hearts and that are concerning us and that are making us anxious and jumpy. We have those pests, right? The in and out pests of life. The other day, like I buy barbecue sauce in bulk. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so the other day, uh, I, I keep the giant thing of barbecue sauce on top of this fridge that we have in the garage and it had slid out onto the door, and I opened the door, down she went, all two gallons of it. And what's, you know, like, you can't sop it up because it's too thick, so you have to, like, scoop it. I'm, like, trying to get stuff. Finally, like, I forget, I poured, I poured something on it to make it dry, and then I, it was gross. But, like, there are pests, right, things in our life, like, you could be having a perfectly fine day, and then you spill barbecue sauce, and you're like, can I get a break? You know what I'm saying? Like, you finally freak out. And then, honestly, like, this idea of, like, our needs being met. There's always something, like, a bill to be paid, or our car broke, or my kid has to do this thing, or pay for... A friend of mine told me, like, my daughter cheerleads, and he's like, we had to pay, like, $800 for her stuff. And I'm like, Wow. I'm glad my kid isn't a cheerleader yet. That's crazy. But like there are all these things, our, our, our needs need to be met for us to be relaxed. But let's, like, let's be honest, right? That's never going away. Are those things, interpersonal tensions, little pests, like things that get on our nerves throughout the day that we had no idea they were coming, our, our needs being met, like those challenges are never going away. And so what possibly can he mean here? And Philip Keller, the shepherd that I mentioned, offers really great insight on this again. He says, in the course of time, I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. See, again, we're back to the shepherd and what the presence of the shepherd accomplishes. Not only am I contented and at peace with the shepherd, but there's also a sense in which even when these things that are stressors in my life don't necessarily go away, I can trust and relax. I can be contented and restful in the presence of the shepherd. You know, I was walking with my son yesterday and uh, he had a plan to go for a walk and I said, all right, we'll go for a walk. And we're, <laughs> he's like a 80 year old man in a little kid's body. He's six years old and we're walking on the sidewalk and he goes, <laughs> he goes, just feel the breeze, Papa. <laughs> then no joke. He goes, feel the warmth of the sun on your face. 
And quite honestly, I was like, that's what I'm preaching tomorrow. There is, there, there's, there's a peace, there's an ongoing peace in the comfort of the shepherd, but there's also a sense, right, in which he says, lie down in green pastures, drink from these still waters. Why? To be restored. The presence of the shepherd is not only an ongoing peace, but there are seasons and times when you and I need to stop. Feel the breeze on your face and the sun warming you. Instead of just sending your kids outside to play in the playground, go watch them swing on the swings. Take a nice glass of lemonade with you. Have a warm bath. True, like really, we, we are so self we're we're so concerned that if we don't keep moving and keep doing things, that the whole world is just going to fall apart. If I don't take him here, if I don't buy this, if I don't do this, if I don't clean that, if I don't go there, if I don't go on this business trip, if I don't make this call, if I don't uh, return this email, like, oh my gosh. No, no, no. The shepherd is saying, lay down in the grass. It is weird. It's true. I mean, it's so weird to us. From the mouth of babes. Like, and quite honestly, like maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, that's weird. When are you gonna, when am I supposed to find time to slow down? I would, like, I can hear moms saying that. Ha, right, buddy. When am I going to find time to slow down? If my husband would do the dishes, maybe I could slow down. Let's not get into arguments. But it really, it's, it's contrary to who we are. It's weird for us to just stop. Like really, Sabbath is hard for us. Go lay down and take a nap this afternoon. The pastor just gave you permission. Hallelujah. (laughs) In the presence of the shepherd, you should be able to not only have peace because he is your shepherd, but also you've got to take time to be restored by the shepherd. And it's okay. Maybe this morning you're suffering loss and you haven't taken time to mourn. Sit down and cry. It's okay. Let the shepherd, let, 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 let his presence be a comfort to you. And don't be worried about moving on to the next thing. He restores my soul. And the question then is, are you being restored? Are you really being restored and refreshed? And don't, don't, don't hear me. Like, generally, we'll probably go, okay, okay. Okay, I'm restored. Here we go. Like, that's our, that's our tendency, like, Are you in a constant rhythm, really, of being restored? Of being in the presence of the shepherd and enjoying all that he has given you? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. A shepherd leads his sheep on the right paths. And you can tell very quickly if a shepherd is any good by the health of his flock and the health of his fields. Because sheep are dumb, and what they'll do is they'll continue to eat in the same spot. They'll eat really right down to the dirt and then they'll paw 
into the dirt and try to get the roots of the grass out of there. I don't know. That's why they, they won't move on their own. There's actually some pictures up here. This is overgrazing at its best, right? And you see like some little, but it's very, pretty barren. Um, and the sheep are just hanging out there eating. And so you, you, you will know a shepherd is good by the fact that he moves his sheep. He has a plan. He's a land manager. He's a good steward of what has been given to him. And our shepherd is that, if nothing else, right? And he moves his sheep. Okay, they've eaten here and he moves. Now they can eat here and that regrows and then he'll move them up on the side of the mountain and they eat there. But so often, right, we don't want to move. The shepherd has a different place for us or a different plan for us. We go, I'm honestly really comfortable right here. I just want to hang out. I like this job. I like these people. I like this neighborhood. I like my friends. I'm comfortable with this salary, whatever it happens to be. Like, no, I'm good. I'll just keep munching grass and pawing things out of the dirt. Like, and the shepherd's going, no, no, no. I have green pastures for you over here. He, he leads us on those right paths. Why? Because his name depends on it. So that no one can say of that shepherd, look at those people. Wow, what a mess. But so often the way that we handle our lives, the way that we stiff arm the work of the Holy Spirit, we look like that to people. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He has a plan. He is present all the time. And it's no um, mess up that then this text comes next. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the shepherd leads us, right? First, he leads us in right paths. Are you being led? Are you being restored and are you being led? Are you being moved? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit, allowing the shepherd to move you to the place that he wants you to be in your life so you can accomplish what he wants you to accomplish? And it's no mess up that he says, now we are in the valley of the shadow of death. It is not as if one morning the shepherd woke up and was like, oh no, the sheep have wandered off to the valley of the shadow of death. How could I have ever let this happen? No, our shepherd's better than that. His name depends on it. His right paths leading us in right paths has led us purposefully to the valley of the shadow of death. Because on the other side of that valley is the second part of the plan that he has. In order to get to the other pastures on the other part of the shepherd's land, the valley is necessary. And so he, he moves us there. Dale Ralph Davis talks about the shepherd's rod and staff this way. And I, I love this. There's this idea of that the shepherd has, um, he has a rod that beats off enemies. And he has a staff with, with which to control the sheep. And Dale Ralph Davis says this. Let us realize that Jesus Christ, our shepherd, is no emaciated weakling. Our shepherd is a warrior, as a shepherd had to be. No one can snatch his sheep out of his hand. The muscles of Jesus' arm are flexed to defend his flock. He doesn't carry a club for nothing. He is obviously enough 
for whatever the valley throws at us. So we're in the valley for a purpose. We're in the valley. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. The scenery is not perhaps what we would choose for it to be. But because the shepherd is there with his rod, with his club, we will not be devoured by the wolves. It's important to realize that, that we can be in a valley in very difficult times and the shepherd has led us there purposefully. He knows that we're there. He knows every aspect of the scenario, but because he is the shepherd, because his name depends on where he leads his sheep and because he is a warrior with a club in his hand, you will not be devoured. Satan will not win you when you belong to the shepherd. And the staff is altogether different, right? The staff is the crook that the shepherd uses. He can sometimes give a little tap, like, I need you to, need you to move this way back onto this path. And sometimes that's good enough. And sometimes we get the old, whoa! Right, we get the, the pull of the shepherd, maybe the discipline of the shepherd. And interesting that this text says, not only does the rod, right, the defense mechanism of the shepherd comfort me, but the staff, the pulling crook corrective instrument of the shepherd is a comfort to me. Usually I'm like, get off my back. You know, you know what I mean? We get that way like, really? Like, come on, come on, leave me alone. Is that staff, is that shepherd's staff a comfort to you? Wow. That's been hard for me this week. Like as I've been filtering through, like, do I really believe this? Those, those tugs are hard for me. Are they comforting for you? Are you being comforted in both the protection and the correction of the shepherd? A lot of us are in the valley. I just talked with a lady after the last service. She said, I've been in a valley for a year and a half and I still don't understand why I'm here. I don't get it, but it's good to know that the shepherd is with me. Some of you are experiencing serious pain. Families are hurting. Loved ones have passed away. Sickness is riddling bodies, financial issues, marital issues, things with kids the anxieties and the pains of life were in the valley. And yet we need to stop and say like, I really believe that you are my shepherd and that you've led me here for a reason and that there is good pasture on the other side. Help me to be faithful, Lord. Help me to persevere. Help me to feel your presence in the midst of the valley? Are you being really comforted or are difficult times just solitary and lonely? Are you experiencing the presence of the shepherd? You just try to shake it off, right? A lot of times, like when we are in the valley, we just like, man, I just got, I want to stop feeling this way. So I can just fill my life with some other things, like maybe I'll stop feeling this way. When the rod prods you or guides you, are you angry and resentful? Or are they a comfort to you? These are all questions that I want 
I just want you to ask yourself, should thoroughly ruin your Sunday. (laughs) Going on, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now, it's very important that we see the imagery changes. Like, wait a minute, sheep sitting at a table? I'm confused. The imagery changes from shepherd to host. Right now, now the... The example, the metaphor of shepherd is gone. Now we have a host. But it's the same idea, the same truths about God that are present here at this table. And it, one, of the, one of the common things that happens in Old Testament poetry is that um, the poet would say something and then would then say the same thing again but escalate it. So I might say like, Jeff Marlowe is cool. Yay, he is awesome. See, like... I say the same thing and then I escalate it up and that's kind of what happens here. So before it was, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now we get this imagery of he sets a table before me, but then it escalates in the presence of my enemies. Here's what I love about the way that this escalates. The psalmist right here eliminates all of our excuses for not being restored. Because all of those things that we have on our tables needing attention, all of the enemies, as it were, that are surrounding us, here's, here's the picture that he gives. So uh, we've set up camp, right? Our little shepherd camp, whatever it happens to be. And we can see on the horizon, in the distance, the fires of the enemy armies that are ready to overtake us. And we have anxiety out here and we have family issues and we have marital problems and we have bills that have yet to be paid and we've had people who have passed away and things that are making us sad and we have all these different kinds of things that are lining the horizon and yet the host is going let us have dinner I mean our our gut response is like time to suit up, right? Like men are like, ho oh, ho, let's do it. Got all these enemies out there? Knock it out. Give me my gun, my awesome crossbow, and we're gonna go, we're gonna go and take care of business. And ladies, honestly, we're the same way in, in, in different ways. We're ready to take on the enemies. That's how we spend our life, putting out fires and defeating things in our life in our own strength. And, and now we're back again to the foolishness of the sheep. Ima- imagine a flock of wolves and a group of sheep and the sheep going, all right, let's, let's take them out. Not going to happen. Do I need to bow like a sheep again to show you how ridiculous that is? <laughs> it's not happening. Because the presence of the shepherd is there, because this host, Yahweh, I will be with you, is there, we are enjoying the restoration of our king in the presence of our enemies. While everything around us is still going crazy, he says, no, we're going we're gonna, to... We're going to rest. And he actually continues to escalate it from there. 
he anoints my head with oil. That, like, that was a, a practice that happened in, like, at the big parties. So you smelled good. You know, like, you'd probably you know, walk in off the street in the ancient Middle East, and you smelled like whatever you smelled like. So they would anoint your head with oil, and then you would smell good. So, like, you would know this is a, this is a, this is a serious party. Like, we're about to dance the night away. Maybe. And then he takes it up again, right? It's not just he leads me beside still waters. It's not just that. It escalates to my cup overflows. It never ceases to be completely full. I hope you're getting this picture that it's landing. In the presence of all of life's enemies, the host, Yahweh, says, Sit down at the table. (coughs) Allow me to restore you. Take a deep breath. Eat from my table. Be anointed with oil. This is a really big deal. Your cup of living water from me will never cease to be full. And I'm wondering how many of us the idea of doing that makes you real uneasy. Like the little dude said earlier, like, that's weird. I'm going to do what? Where? Stop? Slow down? And, and then we ask, right, how long? How long do I need to sit down? Does your life reflect the fact that Yahweh is your shepherd? Really? really wrestle with that today. Do you just say like, oh yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel happy. Are you really content? Are you content with that truth? Yahweh, who will always be there, is my shepherd and that is enough for me. Are you really slowing down? Are you really being restored even in the presence of your enemies? Are you able when the host comes and he lays down the dinner to really fully be present and engage? Are you being comforted in the valley? Or does it feel solitary and disconnected? Are you trying to win these battles on your own? When the Lord is our shepherd, folks, things things function differently. I've I've been wrestling with this question for several weeks and I heard a song earlier this week, and it says, what, what if I believe in your power and I really lived it? And then the chorus goes on and say, I would lay my worries down and I would see these hills as level ground. And it's, it's been, um, it's been good for my heart to read these things. And then the psalmist wraps it up and he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love that closing because it's a, it's, a, it's a global truth. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So we have this. Because, because Yahweh is my shepherd, even in the presence of my enemies, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and then it escalates, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have 
the greenest of pastures and the most fantastic of banquet tables ready on the other side of this life. And because that is true, we can be contented in the care of the shepherd. As we close, I just want to ask a few questions. The first is this. Um, maybe you're here this morning, and as I've talked and I've shared these things, as we go down the list, who's your shepherd? Are you being restored? Are you being comforted? Are you being led? You're going, no, no, no. And maybe this morning, the Holy Spirit is calling you to become part of the flock of Jesus Christ. Philip Keller, the shepherd that I mentioned before, says this, and I love this picture. He says, in memory, I can still see one of the sheep ranches in our district, which was operated by a tenant sheepman. He ought never to have been allowed to keep sheep. His stock were always thin, weak, and riddled with disease and parasites. Again and again, they would come and stand at the fence, staring blankly through the woven wire at the green lush pastures which my flock enjoyed. Had they been able to speak, I am sure they would have said, oh, to be set free from this awful owner. This is a picture of people the world over who have not known what it is to belong to the good shepherd, who, su who suffer instead under sin and Satan. Maybe that describes you this morning. You've, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. There's good news. There's real good news if you are a sheep that's on the other side of that fence. And it comes to us in John 10. John says, truly I, or Jesus says, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not know who, who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. God, Yahweh, sent his son into this world because of his great love for you. And he saw you in your sin and in your desperation, in your lack of comfort, in your lack of restoration. And he said, I, I love those people. And he sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, because he never sinned, he was able to take the punishment for my sin and for your sin. And he's able to say, I'm the good shepherd. I laid down my life for the sheep. 
And when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we confess our sin and repent, when we choose to let him be the Lord of our life, we become part of the sheepfold of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. We stop living our lives under the tyranny of some other shepherd who when times get tough, bails out on us. We live now under the care of a shepherd who is there with a rod and with a staff and who says, I have a plan for where you're going. Even in the valleys, I am there. And on the other side, there is great grass and a beautiful banquet table that you and I can enjoy forever. And there will be a time when that will happen. At the end of time, sheep will be separated from goats. Sheep into eternal joy with the shepherd and the goats, those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, into eternal punishment. And that's real. And so maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. There's a prayer inside of your program there's also a little box you can check, and that, quite honestly, in and of itself, isn't a big deal. But what it'll do is if you mark that and put it into the offering plate, we'd love to follow up with you and teach you more of what it means to be in the care of the Good Shepherd. There will also be folks up here after the service that would love to pray with you. Uh, I'll be out in the foyer if you'd like to talk about what it means to be part of the Good Shepherd's flock, a follower of Jesus Christ. I'd love to talk with you about that. And then, honestly, folks, there's some of us, everybody else, who you've, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and yet the things that you believe and that I believe are not played out in our day-to-day -day lives. We live our lives as if we're plugged into an IV of five-hour energy, and that if we stop, everything in the world will just collapse around us. And we get short, and we get angry, and we're not comforted, and it just continues to compound. The correction of the shepherd is a bother to us. It's frustrating. If you would just stop getting on my nerves, I have things to do. I get that way, and I've needed to confess this week. My challenge to you is to ask yourself those questions. If you're claiming that what Yahweh is your shepherd, are you really being restored? Are you sitting down at the table? Are you taking a deep breath? Are you really comforted in the valley? Are you really okay with just the fact that Yahweh is my shepherd and whatever else comes, I'm contented in that truth. I hope you wrestle with that today as I have over the last couple of weeks looking through this text. Let's pray. Yahweh is my shepherd and because of that I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, let us live every day like that is true. Because it is. Let us be contented in the care of the shepherd. Lying down when he would have us lie down. Moving when he would have us move. Enduring the valleys because your protection is perfect. Even when there are enemies all around, the shepherd is good enough. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and there is nothing that can snatch us out of his hand. Amen.